Mackling and McNabb with you on this Wednesday morning. It is Wednesday, right, Loren? I don't know. Don't ask me. We're going with Wednesday until corrected. Otherwise, 204 780 We're reaching early for help. Early shout out for help. This is the trivia question of the day. Yes. There is no What's prize. What day of the week? What day of the week and is I, it? I just missed, like it lost an hour of time. And here you came in with the rundown and, and I kind of was startled. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's 6.02. So I, I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day of the week it is. We're off to the races. We're one day closer to Friday and the Jets home opener, New York Rangers, their season opener. In fact, New York Rangers coming to town tonight at Canada Life Centre. John Mullaney comes to town, comedian. I know there's some people on social media yesterday uh, who were uh, outraged about something that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes here. Uh, but there are also people go, John Mullaney, who is John Mullaney? You were uh, looking at some of his of his stand-up material. Uh, what do you take, and what's your thought on John Mulaney, the SNL? He was more of a writer. He was behind the scenes, and I know a couple people who worked in uh, at CJOB over the years. Uh, John Mulaney was by far their favorite stand-up comedian. I have to be honest, I didn't know who he was until I went looking to figure out who he was because we were giving away tickets yesterday, and then I thought, all right, John Mulaney. Yes, so he was with SNL. He had his own show briefly uh, like a sitcom, I think, for about a year. He does a lot of stand-up comedy. He's made a name for himself and in, in for some of his personal life reasons, you know, with relationship issues and who he was married and isn't married to. And I think now he's with, I don't know. I think it's Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn, but that's, that's an aside. He's putting on a show tonight, and we're going to play some of his audio at 637. And then, you know, not talk about John, per se, but talk about the fact that if you're going to that show tonight... You won't be using your phone, Greg. Be prepared to lock it up. We'll tell you all about that in about a half an hour from now. Last night, Blue Bomber Legacy Dinner. I was supposed to go to that, Loren. Don't tell anyone. Uh, but I decided not to go. I had some stuff come up uh, with regards to the boys last night. At the last minute, I sort of had to bail. I felt terrible because we haven't been to that dinner for about three years. And uh, a big announcement last night. You've heard it in Jeff Braun's news that Winnipeg is going to make a bid to host the Grey Cup one more time, either in 2024 or 2025. Have you been to Grey Cup here yep. in the past? So I've been to Grey Cup here. I've been to the Grey Cup in Toronto, and I've been to one in Ottawa. And it was only the Toronto Grey Cup that featured the Blue Bombers. They they lost to Saskatchewan in that Grey Cup. But it was still a great time. It's a great week. Grey Cup week is a fantastic week. And the thing that would be really cool if we were able to secure hosting this in a couple years' time, Greg, is that we're in such a different era for the Blue Bombers, right? The magic around that team right now and the love that fans have and that whole fan experience is really something. So I think, I think you would capture a, a whole new audience if we were able to get the rights to host this event in a couple. I cannot see why Winnipeg wouldn't win this, but maybe we're lower down the list as they try to get the name. We have no issues with this game being popular here. No. And so so sometimes they award the Grey Cup to the cities like the Torontos and others to try to to try to spur on that fan interest, right? But this is where this is where the game is like, ooh la la. <laughs> it's well, it's a money-making enterprise. Regina this year, the game is going back to Hamilton last year because of the the smaller version of Grey Cup they had to do because of pandemic uh back uh last season. So uh to have the Grey Cup come here would be fantastic. Uh, back in 91 when Winnipeg first hosted the Grey Cup. 
First of all, people elsewhere thought the CFL was crazy to come to not only a city this size, but to purposefully play football at the end of November in Winnipeg seemed insane to a lot of people. Almost 52,000 people at that game at Winnipeg Stadium. Yes, it was cold, uh, but it, it really led to the Grey Cup being played on a regular basis in Regina, in Ottawa, in Hamilton, and Winnipeg has uh, often done itself uh, so very proud in hosting the Grey Cup. And since 1991, this would be the first time hosting the game where Winnipeg, based on what's going on right now, where the Blue Bombers would have a legitimate shot at being in that game. Because the other times that we've hosted the Grey Cup, the Blue Bombers weren't a very good team. So that that that's an interesting part of the timing of this as well. Yeah, so we last hosted the Grey Cup in 2015. That was the Edmonton-Ottawa final, and Edmonton won that one, right? Edmonton won Edmonton that one. Edmonton won that one. I, yeah. I was at that game. Uh, but, you know, it's it's cool. You, you don't even need to be a football fan to kind of see the spectacle that is Grey Cup or enjoy Grey Cup Week. So let us know. Is this something you'd love to see Winnipeg invest in? Because the province is putting up $5.5 million to help secure that bid. And the, the idea, Greg, is that it brings more back into the economy that you put into the event with all the tourists that that come, the businesses that benefit, and uh, I always find it fun. It's a fun event. It is a fun event. I've been to several across the country, and uh, Winnipeg does it as well as anywhere, maybe maybe even better, although I'd like to find out how Regina does it this year. Uh, By the way, if you're looking for a hotel room in Regina, you're probably about 11 months too late. I saw people <laughs> chirping on, on Twitter yesterday about the fact that there are no hotels in Regina for Grey Cup. Yeah, it's been that way probably since last November. Uh, no hotel rooms uh, available around Grey Cup weekend. Although, depending on what happens over the next couple of weeks with uh, the Rough Riders, that that may change. Also, we want to uh, give away Boo at the Zoo is in full effect at Assiniboine Park Zoo, Assiniboine Park Zoo, and we want to send you. We'll tell you how you can win those tickets and a big, huge thanks to Brandon, who says uh, it's Wednesday, October 12th, 2022, on the text line, 204-780-6868, full of advice and knowledge from our listeners this morning. So we asked for that one. Tom says, didn't Ottawa beat No, I'm Edmonton? sorry. This is where I apologize, Greg. I just went down a rabbit hole because, no, I'm Did pretty sure. Did we get sure, that wrong? No, I'm pretty sure Edmonton won that game. I was at that game. I, I should think, remember. Uh, yeah, I think Ottawa. Yeah, 26-20. Yeah, Ottawa won their Grey Cup in Toronto against Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. I'll I'll double-check that. Mackling, McNabb, McGarry, on vacay. Did you ever dress up as a detective for Halloween? Does Batman count as a detective? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, then Crime yes. solver? Then yes. Uh, we're asking because we need you to put on your best detective cap. If you want a chance to win a family four-pack to attend Boo at the Zoo at Assiniboine Park Zoo coming up, well, right through into Halloween, Lauren. Yeah, and we're doing this in honor of Angela Lansbury, who passed away yesterday at the age of 96. 
a lot of people, depends on your age, you might not know that her career really was started on the stage. She won five Tony Awards for various Broadway shows. Uh, she also earned several Oscar nominations for films like The Picture of Dorian Gray or The Manchurian Candidate. But I think for many of us of a certain vintage, it was maybe her TV show that uh, best resonates. I mean, if a murder was committed, where is the body? So in honor of our TV character, Greg, Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote, we're asking you to explain which on-screen detective crime small solver, could be Batman, you would call in <laughs> if you needed help solving a mystery. All right, let's go around uh, the mystery machine, as it were, uh, in the driver's seat. Jeff Braun, who would you be calling upon? Uh, you know, now that you say it, I wish I had picked Batman, but that actually never uh, entered my mind. It, but I, did I pick- feel bad. That's my fault. I just decided that now that that would count because I, I never that you know if you're going outside the box, there's all sorts of crime solvers. Braun uh, Batman's definitely a detective. I instead I, I picked a detective that has also been around for decades. I admire your courage, Miss uh... Trench, Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mister Bond. <laughs> James Bond. He's 25 and 0. He's undefeated. Uh, he gets results when it matters. I, I pick James Bond. <laughs> Is that on his business card now? 25 and 0? Undefeated? Yeah. <laughs> Poitras, I hear you chuckling in the background. Who have you got on your speed dial if you need a mystery solved? Well, listen, there's really only one choice if you need to get the job done before you hit the clip. No matter how you cut it, divorce sucks. Frank. It's a killer. Horatio Kane, CSI Miami. <laughs> CSI. Did you struggle to figure out which CSI is? How many different CSIs are we talking about now? Well, I mean, obviously the most superior of all the CSIs is CSI Miami. It's the best one. Horatio Kane. Come on. There was New York, and then there was uh, Vegas, which was the original. And I think there was only three when they was like in its heyday, wasn't there? But there's a New York, yeah, that, and then there was the crime scene investigation. Was there an original? That's Law and Order. Oh, isn't that Law and Order? I don't know. SVU, New Orleans, uh, Las yeah. Vegas. I I lose track yeah. myself on all these yeah. different things. Okay, good call and uh, fairly solid uh, intro song as well. That scream from the Roger Daltrey in the Who uh, rules. How about uh, you, Jeff Forche? Well, I, I'd have to say Scooby Doo. <laughs> But that, that's, that's not my pick today. We're interviewing all the serial killers now in custody for a psychobehavioral profile. Could be a real help in unsolved cases. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. I want you to go after him again today in the asylum. And who's the subject? The psychiatrist, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal, Hannibal. Oh, yeah. Signs of the Lamb, Sterling. Clarice Sterling. Sterling, she's uh, she's amazing. That movie itself is amazing. She's brave. She's clever. She's smart. She gets the job done. Clarice. You guys all picked very serious people. For these Are you roles. going a different way, McNabb? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would say Horatio is serious. But... <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> he takes himself very seriously, Cam. I think we can all agree upon that. <laughs> God, David Caruso at his best. Come on. <laughs> 
about iced tea and which one is that? Law and Order? I can't remember which one that was. And one of our listeners says Inspector Gadget, which Ooh, actually one. was high. I thought of that as well. But I've just been watching the show on and off for the past couple of years. And I and if, if something bad's going to happen or you're you're in a moment where you're like, I need the detective or I need a team to come in and help me out, I also want to have a few laughs. Wait, so you heroically fought off three guys and that puts you in a bad mood? If I did that, I would literally write a song about myself. It would be like, Jake the Hero, Abs of Steel, sha-la-la-la. <laughs> Jake Peralta. Nine-nine! Captain Raymond Holt and the gang at Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You gotta have some fun if life is uh, taking you on a, on a turn to crime. Okay, well, we can tell who the senior citizen in this group is simply by pressing play on this clip. This is Jim Rockford. At the tone, leave your name and message. I'll get back to you. You are full of bullshit, my friend. I will sue you for everything you have. I will sue your ass. James Garner, Rockford Files. If you've not ever seen it, look it up, YouTube it. His car is cool. He lives in a trailer down in some parking lot down by the ocean. It's uh, one of the great 1970s uh, classics when it comes to detective shows. One of our listeners says, would be 100% Jim Rockford. Oh, 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 wait, maybe Simon and Simon. Dang, this is a hard one this morning. So listeners are thinking about who they would hire as their own PI, their own private detective in order to get the mystery solved. It is the start for a Wednesday morning. Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry returns on Monday. We want to invite you to cjob.com to vote on our question of the day. Brought to you by Credit Aid. Struggling with debt? Call 204-987-6890. CreditAid.ca. What's your reaction to the mass resignations at Hockey Canada? Should have happened months ago. An overwhelming majority of you voting that way on our question of the day. We'll have a new question of the day for you to vote upon later on this morning. Loren McNabb, what else are we keeping our eyes on on this Wednesday morning? Like so many things in life, there's links everywhere. And we've been talking about the big issues for our cities, the big issues for our towns Transit was a big conversation last week, but safety came up in transit. Yesterday we talked crime, but but mental health and addictions also came up. And of course, tomorrow we're going to delve more into this conversation with mayoral candidates when we ask them their thoughts on homelessness in Winnipeg and what they would do about it. And so that's on our radar for tomorrow. For today, it all circles back again to those links. Crime, top of mind for so many. While well, the justice ministers of this country, each province sent their justice minister to a meeting in Nova Scotia today and tomorrow to talk about crime. Crime is up in the city we know and we talked yesterday about how the homicide rate in the city is way above most every other city in this country but we know many jurisdictions are dealing with a rise in crime and so what's behind that? What can be done about that? We're asking mayors questions about what they can do but we're looking to bring the Justice Minister on at some point today, Calvin Gertzen, to, to figure out what the province is going to do when it comes to tackling crime. Right? We'll share some of your text messages on your favourite TV movie detectives as well, your reaction to Danielle Smith's comments yesterday out of Alberta but let's start this half hour with a visit with an individual who by the time uh, he was 22 years old, had realized his childhood dream of playing in the National Hockey League, won an Olympic medal, and drunk from the Stanley Cup, Loren. 
He excelled on the ice. Out of the net, though, he was plagued by persistent dark thoughts and ceaseless anxiety. And on days when he could barely get out of bed, he was able to push aside the endless loop of dark thoughts running inside his brain long enough to win a game. I was 21 years old, I'm out with some friends one night, and I just started getting these thoughts, repetitive, deep, dark thoughts that I couldn't stop. I would describe it as something my brain just kind of broke. I was amazed that when I did finally reach out for help, that there was treatment available, and there is no shame in asking for help. If someone reaches out to you, it's extremely important to be non-judgmental. Listening without judgment is probably one of the greatest things you can do for someone that's struggling with mental illness. I want to hear more. Former NHL goaltender Corey Hirsch was one of the first professional athletes to talk openly about mental health. Hirsch wrote about his OCD for the Players' Tribune. His piece remains one of their most ever read articles. Let's say good morning and welcome to the start, Corey Hirsch. Good morning, Corey. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you making time. I know it's a busy day for you today, and you, you arrived last night. So congratulations, first of all, uh, on the book. And thank you for your book, and it's great to have you back in Winnipeg. We only have a few minutes with you, so forgive us for jumping right in with both feet. You point out that there's, there's no MRI. There's no definitive blood test to tell you that you have OCD or depression or anxiety. What people can't see they are afraid of. That applies, I think, uh, Corey, for ourselves as well as those around us who think there's nothing wrong with you. What was the impact of receiving a diagnosis, a description of what was ruling much of your life? Yeah, well, and that's, you know, that's a great way to put it. But here, here's the thing. I have a photo of me drinking out of the cup. <laughs> and I got a massive smile on my face, best day of my life. But I could barely get out of bed that morning. It took everything for me to get to that. But it sure looked good in the photo, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not... Um, the whole thing, we don't have, there's no such thing as a blood test. We have to rely on people talking and telling us when they're struggling. And that's my job or my goal is to educate people and to get people, hey, you know what? We all got issues, you know, and, and if you're struggling, I need you to tell me. I can't see it. I don't can't take a test. I can't do any of that. I can't see it. I need you to talk to me. And on the other side of it, though, I have to be an open, non-judgmental source and make that person feel safe for them to be able to talk to me. You also, I think, Corey, have to not judge yourself. And I'm, I'm curious in that moment when you're thinking, are you going back and forth between there's nothing wrong, something's wrong, there's nothing wrong, something has to be wrong. Like th- that, that juggle back and forth to finally say, no, wait a minute, I need to address this because I don't feel right. Well, and that's a great, that's a, a great way to put it. Um, yeah, and, and you know what? Usually, typically, you'll know something's wrong. But the, that's the thing about mental health is, is that it's like a broken leg. You might feel good for a while. You know, it starts to heal a little bit. But eh, you don't get it fixed. It's going to come back and bite you in the ass, right? I mean, that's mental health. It's the same thing. you got to get it fixed. And if you get it fixed, okay, well, then you don't have to deal with it again. But if you don't, I mean, eventually, it's going to come back. And, and you, 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 when you fix it, you have so much a better life. Everything is, 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 is way better. Uh, there's help, there's hope, uh, you know, and I'm living proof of that. Mental health advocate, former NHL goaltender Corey Hirsch joins us this morning. He's in Winnipeg to address members of the construction industry. And, and Corey, I have to ask you, like, was there a challenge in dealing with your own mental health based on what you did for a living? No, you know, a lot of people ask me that. Um, hockey actually saved my life. Sport saved my life and it's unfortunate what we're going through right now because the game is being tarnished it's not the game it's some bad apples within it and hockey taught me courage resilience 
uh, the ability to, to move forward, to keep going, to keep going through those tough times. I'm alive because I was a hockey player and I learned those things. And that's what sport does for people. So, you know, for people to say that hockey did this to you or sport, not a chance in the world. Hockey, sport is one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody, you know, just because of what we're going through right now with, with individuals and people that have tarnished the games. Don't let that deter you because sport taught me those things. And sport is a big reason I'm still alive today. So you're going coast to coast, crisscrossing the country, Corey, to, to be on this tour, to speak to people about mental health and about the importance of addressing mental health. And I, and I like to think that we've come a long way in the last few years about acknowledging that it's okay to put up your hand and ask for help. What are you hearing out there, though, from Canadians in terms of what they're saying about their struggles, their access to care and everything else? It's getting it's getting better as far as the stigma and all that. The access to care is a, is, a, is a bit of a problem. And here's my thing: we need to give our youth incentives to go become psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, social workers, counselors. Our government needs to start giving them, uh, you know, more grants, more you know, scholarships, more things to be able so that we can encourage our youth to be able to go in to be these things so that the next generation doesn't have to go through this. People are, are upset that, you know, they can't get in for an appointment. Oh, the psychiatrist, this, that. Do you think my friends that are psychiatrists, psychologists, they are overwhelmed. They have so many people. And then think about listening to people's problems every day for a week, right? They need to, they need to decompress mm-hmm. to themselves. So that's not the problem. The problem is, is that we need to get more people, more of our youth to start becoming into going into these professions. And how do you do that? Well, you give grants, you give special grants, you give uh, scholarships, you give things like that. That's how we're going to change it. I heard you guys talking about the homeless problem. The homeless problem, we're throwing, a, we're throwing a water hose on a fire right now. The answer is to educate our youth so that they don't get into situations so that we have the resources available for them, so that they're educated, so that if there is trauma in their life, they know where to go. The, the, our homeless have had trauma. You know, it's not like they just woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to be homeless. That sounds like, no, there's trauma in their life that has happened previously that they haven't been able to fix or they haven't been able to get help for. And then that, the result is that if we can educate our youth and, and teach them and teach people where to go, maybe we can put a dent in our homeless, program, uh, our homeless people uh, issues in the future. I'm sorry that's long-winded, but it all comes back to educating our youth, giving them opportunities to become psychologists and psychiatrists. There's an empathy, that understanding piece, uh, Corey, in your answer. And that whole acknowledgement, it's something that I've said in my advocacy for mental health is you never know when that minute, hour, day comes when an individual who needs help is strong enough to put up their hand to to ask for help, to knock on a door, to make that phone call. And those resources absolutely need to be there because it, it may be our one and only chance to help that person. Absolutely. And uh, historically, you know, it's, it is what it is. We, it, people have been shamed into getting help for mental health or having mental health issues. And that's part of the problem of why we're in today. But that doesn't need to be that way moving forward. You know, and that's where educating people comes into play, having it in your homes, teaching people that help is available. Is it perfect? No. You know, but help is available. You can go on to live a better life and stop. We need to stop shaming people into getting help. You know what? you're a lot stronger person for going and getting the help than suffering in silence. And there's absolutely no reason to suffer in silence. 
Corey, you've inspired a bunch of people today, myself included. Thank you for this, and a shout-out to Yvette and Sabine and the team at Merit Contractors Association of Manitoba who connected us this morning. And by the way, if the if the book is something you might want for yourself or somebody else in your life, it's called The Save of My Life, My Journey Out of the Dark. The author, our guest, visiting Winnipeg today, Corey Hirsch. Corey, thank you so much in everything that you do on this front. We appreciate your advocacy more than words can express. Well, I wouldn't be able to have a platform unless you guys gave me the opportunity to be on. So I thank you just as much as you thank me. You guys have an awesome day. Will do. Enjoy your visit to Winnipeg. Corey Hirsch, former National Hockey League goaltender, won the Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers back in 1994. One of our listeners just now, finally, someone who understands the homeless predicament. It's not a lack of housing. It's the inability to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Maybe it's both. Acknowledging both. We're going to continue the conversation around homelessness tomorrow. Where are you? We got some work to do now. Inexplicably, Loren, at 204-780-6868, as we ask for your TV and, and movie detectives to solve your mysteries, one of our listeners says, my go-to private investigator is not one person, but the gang of young meddling kids, Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and of course, Scooby-Doo. We're asking for the detective, the crime solver you bring into your life, the fictional person in honor of the death of Angela Lansbury. She passed away yesterday at the age of 96. And Scooby-Doo has been a popular choice. That was Forte's choice. Jeff thought Scooby-Doo would be the gang to bring in, I think. Scooby-Doo's my boy. Hurray. <laughs> Those uh, Scooby Snacks. I think you can actually get Scooby Snacks. Somebody was smart enough to uh, market those as an actual thing once upon a time. And uh, we want to invite you also to vote on our question of the day. Brought to you by Credit Aid. Worried about your debt? Call 204-987-6890. CreditAid.ca if you'd prefer to reach out to them and connect with them online. And our question of the day has to do with Hockey Canada and that mass resignation of its board yesterday. Loren, what else are we keeping an eye on this morning? Well, we've been talking about mental health this morning. We had a, a great guest on at 7.37. He is a former NHL Moose goalie, Corey Hirsch, who's written a book about his battle with mental health. And it's elicited several responses from you, our audience, about your struggles to access care. And and to Corey's point, in the last hour, he was saying, you know, I think we've gone a long way in reducing stigma, but people are really struggling to find that help the, that they need. And so we'll share a little bit more in the next half hour, Greg, from a listener who's on a long road and a long wait to get their child some help. Yeah, 204-780-6868. Your traffic tips, your favorite detectives from television and the big screen, and also, of course, Reach out on the topics we're discussing. We love hearing from you. And if you trust us with your story, we'd love to share it. It's a Wednesday morning just after 8.35. And joining us now is a fairly familiar face uh, face and voice, Loren. Yeah, you're, he's, he's best known, I think, for talking about windows and doors. Uh, let's bring on Bob Irving. Good morning, Bob. <laughs> good morning, you guys. How are you doing? I'm good. I was super curious because I know you were at the Blue Bomber Legacy Dinner last night. Uh, what was on the menu? Oh, was it ever good? Mm. Uh, we had steak, 
and chicken. There was way way too much food for a normal person to consume. But they had a salad and then a steak and chicken and a wonderful chocolate-filled dessert. Uh, It was really good, really good. Mm. Well, MC, last night, uh, I really was disappointed to have to miss the dinner last night. Something came up for me last minute. But the Blue Bombers, Bob, do such a terrific job in honoring their history. Uh, you do a better job MCing the event. But I'm thinking the Blue Bombers would love to put an exclamation mark on this segment of their history with an appearance and a win in a Grey Cup at IG Field. And as we've been discussing this morning, that possibility took uh, one step closer to reality with an announcement last night. Yeah, Premier Stephenson was there, and she presented the Blue Bombers with the Order of the Buffalo Hunt for their 2021 Grey Cup win. And during her comments after making that presentation, she announced that the province is going to contribute $5.5 million to a bid to host either the 2024 or 2025 Grey Cup here in Winnipeg. Now, Winnipeg is due to have a game in either of those years. The last time Winnipeg hosted the Grey Cup game was 2015. And, you know, they rotate the game around to the nine cities in the league. So if you do the math, 2025 would be year 10 since we last hosted it. So I would think the odds of us getting the game in either of those years are not just pretty good. They're pretty much a slam dunk, especially with the province, and I'm sure the city will weigh in too behind it, and with the great success the Bombers have had in attracting fans. So I think it's pretty a pretty good chance we're going to get the Grey Cup game in either 24 or 25. Yeah, I said earlier this morning, Bob, it'd be telling me why we don't deserve to get this game as opposed right. to why we deserve to have it. I'm just curious, the process then from here, is it something we'd know within the next few months, or is it still you know a decision that's a year away? Yeah, I think it's probably a year away. The game is in Regina this year, all right, as everybody knows. And then Hamilton is getting it again next year. And they had it last year, of course. But because of the pandemic, they weren't able to put on the kind of show that uh, host cities normally do for a Grey Cup game. So the league decided to give them a chance to do a full-blown presentation again, which will happen in 2023. So it's possible they would announce at this year's Grey Cup uh, who's going to have the game in 24. And if it's not Winnipeg, then the 25 announcement might have to wait. But we'll see. Who does the best job hosting the Grey Cup? Bob? Ooh. Well, we, you know, I'm a little biased on that, but we do, we do a pretty good job. Uh, you know, the cities who've had it in recent years have all done a good job. And Saskatchewan, of course, will do a bang-up job this year, as they always do. I mean, that's uh, one of the hotbeds of football in the country, as we all know. So... I would say that all the cities of recent time who've hosted the Grey Cup game have done a wonderful job. Okay, so let's switch gears and talk some baseball because playoffs are into the divisional series. That got underway yesterday, Bob. Is there something you like in particular about baseball at this time of year? Well, one of the things that I like as a baseball fan is there can be three or four games in a day. So if you like to feast on baseball, <laughs> and, the, and the games always run at least three hours, you could sit there for 10 hours and watch baseball all day. Uh, they had four games yesterday. They'll only have two today, and then I think two tomorrow, and that's the way they're going to go the rest of the way. But, you know, the games, you know, increase. They have so much importance at this time of the year because it's do or die for these teams a lot of times. I mean, the fans of the Blue Jays are still trying to get over what happened to them in Game 2 with Seattle when they were up 8-1 and lost the game. So there's drama surrounding playoffs in professional sport that isn't there during the regular season, and that's one of the great things that baseball brings. I hope we see a Yankee 
Dodgers. Oh, World I knew Series. you were going to say that. Oh, which team do you hate? Uh, well, I, I cheer for the Padres, but I am watching the uh, fantastic documentary. It's called uh, Uncivil War, and it chronicles that rivalry of the Dodgers and the Yankees back in yeah. the late 70s uh, with uh, Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin on, in the Yankee uh, dugout and then Steve Garvey and Tommy Lasorda on the other side. Like though, That was, to a great extent, uh, the heyday of, of Major League Baseball. Well, sure. And look, uh, baseball would love to see, I know they would never say it, but they'd love to see a Yankee Dodger World Series because that's TV ratings through the roof and box office and all the rest of it. So we'll see how it plays out. It, it won't necessarily be those two teams. I know a lot of people think that Cleveland has a chance to beat the Yankees, although the Yankees won game one last night. So the next few days are going to be very interesting. And if you're a baseball fan, this is this is like Thanksgiving. It's a time to feast on the game you love. I was listening to the Yankees broadcast last night, and uh, that's uh, some different play-by-play. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> Winnipeg Jets are getting ready for the season opener on home ice this coming Friday night. Is there yeah. something Paul Edmonds touched on this with regard to record and engaging the fans, but in your mind, is there something early on in the season which might give us a clue as as to how the rest of the season goes? You know, I think we have to be careful about reading too much into early results. Greg, as you recall, last year the Jets got off to a very good start, mm-hmm. didn't they? They, they? they were 9-3-1, and one, I believe, at one point, and we all know what happened. So I think the fans, and I know probably Rick Bonus, we're all on the edge of our seats wondering how this thing's going to unfold. It's a fresh start for these players, a new coach. Uh, what they have here is the same core of players that had such a disappointing season last year. Kevin Sheveldayoff kind of rolled the dice in the offseason and decided to stick with the core of players that he's either drafted or traded for because he believes they're better than they showed last year. So I wouldn't uh, rush to judgment on the season, but I'm curious, like everybody else, to see if they can play a more dedicated defensive game. You know, if Mark Shifley can have the kind of 100-point season that he's capable of and surely should have, You know, the talent is there. I said that last year when they were struggling along. The talent is there. If they can somehow pull this thing together, there's no reason this can't be a playoff team. And I say that going into this season. So, like everybody else, I'm uh, very, very curious to see how it all I have a good feeling. Does that count for anything, Greg? You'll take that? I have a good feeling. The hand-wringing's over. (laughs) Moving on to Friday. I've got a good feeling. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Friday. Oh, Bob, before we let you go, your favorite uh, TV detective. Who are you calling to solve the the mysteries in in Bob Irving's world? Well, the best character, I think, on TV who played a role like that was Peter Falk with Columbo. Uh, You know, he was (laughs) he was a really I don't know how to describe him in that role, but he was so good. And it was just you you watched. I watched the show because of him, not necessarily any of the plot lines or storylines, but just because of the way he spoke and his gestures and that kind of thing. So he would be he would be my pick. Oh, listen, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. One other thing. In regard to your practice of recording people's comments after the screening, what? thank you very much. Oh, one more thing. The next time you see Mrs. O'Connor, will you tell her something for me? Next time you see Mrs. Irving, will you t- tell her something for me, Bob? I will. Please uh, give her my best. I will, for sure. And there were, at the Legacy Dinner last night, Greg, I ran into a guy, I forgot his name now, and he said, uh, he asked me if I've seen GMAC lately. I said, 
periodically. He, he coaches your boys at curling. Oh. I know exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he, uh, he came over and said hello. We had a nice chat. And I said, you know, GMAC's one of the great guys that I know. Well, uh, I'll uh, send the check in the mail. And how about ah, this? There you go. <laughs> I'm writing this one down. Somebody started a conversation with Bob Irving with a question: Do you know Greg Mackling? This uh, this is a, another That's pinch me another pinch me moment. Thank you, Bob. You're good <laughs> okay, for them. Have a good day. The former voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, our guest, eight thirty-seven on Wednesdays when he's not globe-trotting Loren, Bob Irving. Always great to connect with Bob about the world of sport. Such a small world to run into somebody, you know, and they know, not just know you, but coach your kids. Ah, again, that's thing, Winnipeg. That's the best thing and about again, living here. How do people get away with things when you're always running into someone you know? I don't get it. Loren, things can change in the weather so quickly, just sat here and watched a rain shower moved all the way across, uh, basically down Portage Avenue, Ellis, Sargent, and it's just now the far western and north edge of this rain shower is just passing over Portage and Maine to a mix of sun, well, no, I wouldn't say sun and cloud, but high cloud, low cloud, and maybe even some blue sky peeking through. It's uh, going to be an interesting few days on the weather front. Now, at least you can see it. I have better views of the outdoors from my basement than I do in this closet I'm sitting in. Grateful to be downtown and at work with you, Greg, but I can see nothing, so I'll take your word for it that we're in for a mixed bag over the next 48, 72 hours. You need to get out of that room just a I, little bit. Come wander around. Come yeah, and I, at least say is- hi to me. Wave to me through the window. It's it's like when when the babies are in the we're in the movies. <laughs> you're behind the glass. You at least wave to me. You can tap. On, like I recognize you. I know it's you. <laughs> you're like uh you're harkening back. I don't think any. When's the last time hospitals had those rooms for babies where you could just stare at all the the newborns? According to the movies, they still exist. Maybe in America. Detectives, we've been asking you about your favorite detectives and the detectives you would have solve your mysteries, the mysteries in your life in honor of the now late Angela Lansbury. And one of our listeners, Jonathan, says, my favorite detective is one I've only discovered recently. His name is Jimmy Perez on the BBC television series Shetland. The stories all revolve around small towns in Scotland, and he's a very real character, very vulnerable, and very good at his job. It's a highly enjoyable series. Have you seen that one, McNabb? Nope. All these detectives, I know nothing. All right. Send us your text messages. You have just a few minutes. So many great suggestions. Not a lot of why you would hire said detectives. And like I said, we're not going to just hand these boo at the zoo passes to to anybody who just throws a, a TV or movie detective at us. You've got to have a reason as to why you're handing over your hard-earned money to them if you want a, us to hand over our hard-earned boo at the zoo passes. 909, let's start this hour at RRC Polytech. They're getting ready to host Inclusion Week. And Loren, this is a first for the college. So for more, we're joined by Kelly Quinn with the Academic Success Centre at Red River College. Good morning. Good morning. So let's just talk us through why you guys wanted to host this first ever Inclusion Week, which starts October 31st. Yeah, great question. Um, So equity, diversity, and inclusion are are really important values that all members of our college community really hope to embody in both our professional lives and our personal lives. 
So Inclusion Week is really an opportunity to celebrate and promote this. So we have a series of learning opportunities. Um, I think we're hosting 13 opportunities over the course of the week, both online and in person, um, that will really encourage our um, RRC Polytech community members to to step into these values at work, um, in the classroom and at home, and give us some strategies to, um, you know, ensure that our our education really can enhance um, our commitment towards inclusion and really help us become a, a better ally around these issues. Yeah, it's one thing. Uh, the book learning, as my grandpa would say, Kaylee, was one thing. But the, the social aspect of post-secondary education, and of course, now that everybody's back in person and it's so great to see uh, the, the, the students downtown in the exchange mm-hmm. district and that footprint of the campus has grown again. So just talk about the impact that this event could have in terms of the overall post-secondary experience and, and also the fact that you're you're back in person and, and that probably adds to, to the urgency of, of creating an event like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing a new uh, a new need for enhancing inclusion in different ways. After we were all, uh, you know, remotely learning and remotely working for for the better part of two and a half years, um, there's new opportunities and there's certainly new challenges that have come to light. Um, we launched a new strategic plan at the beginning of this year that encompasses the next five years. And two of the pillars in this strategic plan are to commit to truth and reconciliation and to pursue equity, diversity, and inclusion in everything we do. So this is really an important core of how we want to show up um, as a polytechnic as and as leaders in post-secondary in Manitoba and in Canada. Um, so I think some of these learning opportunities that are, um, you know, in person will give us that opportunity to build community, to rebuild community and to connect with one another, um, you know, in the way that we were able to pre-COVID, but also um, in new ways, right? Like in, in stepping into this hybrid um, with uh, online and in-person environments and really trying to, um, yeah, to take advantage of some some of these new ways that we've come to um come to see how to learn and build community with one another. So some of the things you're doing for this first ever Inclusion Week, you have a drag queen story time, you've got a dance party, you've got anti-racism speaker series, a Métis beating workshop. And when I was looking on your website this morning, what I thought was really cool is that some of these are, are led by the students. It's not the instructors coming in and once again telling the kids what to do. The kids are saying, let's do some of this. And they're coming to you with ideas from what I can tell, Kelly. Yeah, we were able to lead some focus groups in the spring to hear from faculty and hear from students about uh, what they would like to see in, in our first ever Inclusion Week. And we also looked at what other post-secondary institutions across Canada um, who have hosted a post-secondary, uh, who have hosted an Inclusion Week have done. Um, so certainly the um, uh, Students Association is planning an inclusive dance party to cap off the event on the Friday uh, we're offering um, a wide range of activities, like you shared, also panic making, um, an Indigenous language session, and, you know, some some really experiential learning opportunities that'll bring us together to learn some skills, um, to build our knowledge, and uh, to really build community. Okay, for those that, that want to uh, get involved, how do they find out more before we let you run here, Kaylee? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you visit us at online at rrc.ca backslash diversity, 
you'll see we have a wide range of uh, recordings and self-directed learning opportunities that are already available to the community on our website. We do have some uh, some events open to the public uh, through this first inclusion week, although primarily these will be offered to um, to our community, um, to our RSC Polytech community, to our staff and students. But we hope to engage with our broader community in Winnipeg um, and offer some of these recordings up for, for folks to uh, to continue their own learning outside of the college as well. Making a difference in our community, Kaylee Quinn, who works in the Academic Success Centre at RRC Polytech. Kaylee, thank you for sharing this with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. The, the, the post-secondary experience is one thing with regard to the books and the studying and the exams and, and, and the labs and everything. But Loren. the learning is outside the classroom like so many things, Greg. Did I just interrupt and say the wrong learning moment the wrong teachable moment for me mm, no i think i think ultimately <laughs> that's the experience as, as long as you did all the other stuff and got your accreditation whatever it was you were working towards that was one part of it but i think what we learned along the way was uh even more important more critical in terms of uh, how to get through life and mistakes sometimes you got to make mistakes to learn from them